I'm excited about today and uh, Super Bowl Sunday, right? All right, who's going with the Eagles? All right, who's going with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs? Who's just watching the commercials? All right, tell the truth. A lot of y'all, it's all about halftime. Changing it, changing it at halftime. Anyway, I want us to go to the Bible. Mark chapter 2. I love the book of Mark. There's a couple books in the Bible that are, that are my favorites. Uh, Ephesians, all time, favorite. Love Ephesians. And the book of Mark, love it. Just love it a lot. And uh, Mark chapter 2 is one of those signature chapters in Mark that, that's one of my favorites. And I want to go there today. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to read a little bit. Tell them to hang in there. <laughs> hang in there. All right. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. And soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. Come on, say packed house. I like it. I like it. And while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. And they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. I just want to have those kinds of friends. Am I right? I mean, most of our friends just want to go to the ball game. I want the kind of guys that will climb the building and get a hole in the roof to get me in. That's some good friends, right? All right. Some of y'all like Pastor Wade. They're tearing up someone's home. Got to do what you got to do. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, if you, if you have a paper Bible, which very few people bring those anymore, if you have a paper Bible, I would underline that. If you have the Bible app, I would highlight that because that's a good one. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. It's something that Jesus can be in the house and some people can't even recognize who he is. Come on, man. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, which that should scare you. <laughs> Whatever you're thinking about during the sermon today while I'm up here preaching... He knows what you're thinking. I may not, but he does. <laughs> I may pray and ask him, what were they thinking? I don't want to know, to be honest. <laughs> so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? It's almost like Jesus said, let me challenge myself. It's easier to say your sins are forgiven. But he said, let's take it a step further. Let's tell the man, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Just, just for a moment before we get to the message. You do know sometimes God will give you what you need before he gives you what you want. And that's what we're seeing here because they brought the man to be healed. 
And the first thing Jesus is like, let's take care of his soul. Just something to pick up there. Verse 10, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. And they were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. I love that line. We've never seen anything like this before. Let's pray. Father, we want some moments where we can say we've never seen anything like this before. We want to see you at work in ways that we've heard about in the Bible. But Father, we don't want to just hear about it. We want to see it. We want to see you do it. So Father, I, I, I pray that in this room, just like in that packed house, I pray in this packed house that you will be here and that you will forgive sins and that you will heal people. Father, I ask you to blow our minds. Help us to get past the place where we think we got it all figured out and step into the place to where we're saying, God, we need you. Lord, today, use me to be a voice to speak to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen and amen. All right, let's jump into this. Uh, 2023 at Emerge Church so far has been, I'll describe it this way, it's been record-breaking. Can somebody say amen? Um, and, and I'm just starting with a few stats. Last Sunday was our largest non-event, not Easter crowd that we've had. Now, that's important because Easter, there's all kinds of people that show up uh, for Easter. And I'm proud of you that you're not just the Christmas Easter people. You know what I'm saying? They call them CEOs, Christmas and Easter only. And if you're watching out there and you're a CEO, we'll see you at Easter. But you should come sooner, like next week, because this is going to be good. Okay. Uh, so, like, there were 341 people here last Sunday. And, and of that, there were 69 kids. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to sign up. <laughs> You need to sign up. Um, it's crazy because our attendance increased by 100 people since our first Sunday in January. And uh, like Jessica mentioned a few moments ago, um, 12 people signed up for water baptism next Sunday. Super excited about that. And uh, it's exciting to see all this happening. And can I tell you, our teams are maxed out. They are. It's awesome, but they are maxed out, and I'm so proud of them for, for stepping up and, and making it happen, even though there's a lot, a lot more, and um, just, can we, give, can we give a hand to our dream team? Seriously, all of our leaders, all of our staff, because it's, man, when you, when you grow like that to, like, by 100 people in a, in a few weeks, it, it can become taxing, but man, they're just stepping up to the plate. But today, I'm going to speak a message to you entitled, That's My Church. That's My Church. And like I mentioned, I love the book of Mark. Mark chapter 2, it's like this highlight. In fact, that's how I would describe the book of Mark. It's like Sports Center of all that Jesus did. And if you watch Sports Center, any Sports Center fans, you know what Sports Center is? It's highlights. They don't show you the entire game, they show you the plays you need it to see. 
so you can see how the game went. And that's what Mark is. Mark just went through and said, all right, let's look at all the miracles Jesus did, and let's put together a highlight reel. And he just runs through it, man. And that's why the book of Mark is so fun to read. And if you're a struggling Bible reader, come on, anybody in here struggling Bible? Don't raise your hand. You don't want everybody to know that. But if you're a struggling Bible reader, go to the book of Mark, man. I'm telling you, you start reading, you'll think, man, I hear the music in the background. I'm serious. It is like Sports Center, man. And you start just seeing Jesus doing miracle after miracle after miracle. And you're like, this dude is like MVP making it happen. And so read the book of Mark. And it starts in Mark chapter 2 with a house full of people. They're packed out and there's no room for anyone. And what we see in this story that there are all kinds of people that are there. All kinds of people that are gathered at this house for this meeting, this service, this this church service that Jesus is doing. And it made me begin to think about the different kinds of people that are packed into a church. In fact, different kinds of people that are packed into this room here today. Because in this room right now, there are people that are in need. You have a need. There are people in this room, packed in this room, that love God. Seriously, these these are the people that are packed in the house. There are people in this room today. You're here, but you're hurting. But you're here. We're all just packed in here. There's people here today and packed in the house of God that are just really religious. You know what I mean when I say religious? It's that I'm better than you, religious. That's not what we're going for, but they're here. They are. They already had a problem with the first song. It's all right. There's people here who are bitter and angry. Oh, they're here, man. In fact, they may be sitting next to you. They may be angry with you. You may have gotten a fight on your way to church today. And look, some of these people who are laughing are like, they're laughing because they're busted. You know what I'm saying? people here worshipers man you know what i'm saying it's like play another song play five more don't preach today don't preach pastor no we preaching okay people hungry for god that that's who's packed in this house uh i'll I'll say it like this it's packed with potential oh that fired me up man Uh, it's packed with generations who are going after god and we can keep going on and on, and maybe I'll say something that, that, that lines up with who you are. But there's all kinds of people that are packed in the house. And can I, I, I'll just say this. I'm so glad you're here. I am, man. I turned around during worship, saw Haley and Lance here, start cry, started crying. Had to go over there and hug them. Man, it's been a while. Haley had brain surgery a couple weeks ago and is rehabbing and she, nothing was going to keep her from church today. Come on. Oh, I was fired up when I saw y'all. That's so awesome. And as great as it is that you're here and they're here, it's even more incredible that Jesus is here. Um, because when Jesus is here, anything can happen. And that's the expectation that we should enter the room with whenever we gather like this. Because the presence of God is here Anything can happen. And to be honest with you, the songs that we sing and the sermons that we preach and the kids' ministry that we provide and the coffee that is brewed, it's for one reason. 
It's to set up what God wants to do. It's not about the sermon. The sermon is just the vehicle that helps us to get there. It's not the songs. The songs is what we're using to set the atmosphere in the room. The kids' ministry is so that the seeds can be planted in the lives of the young people at an early age. And the coffee is just to wake you up so you don't sleep through what God is trying to do. Amen? How many of y'all are thankful for the coffee? All right. There's so much happening in this story right here that I just feel the need to dive into. Because when I look at this story, it paints this picture that I think is a perfect illustration of the vision of our church. I really do. I really believe this, this paints the picture of the vision that God has given us for our church. And our vision is simple. We lead people to follow Jesus so they can live out God's plans for their lives. That's what we're trying to do. We have no hidden agendas. I'm just coming out and telling you everything we do, it's to get you to follow Jesus so you can live out God's plans for your lives. Straight up. That's it. So whatever we do as a church is all for that vision. It's to fulfill that vision, and it's a lot like the Great Commission, where Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all men, and disciples are what? Followers of Jesus, amen? Baptizing them, which is next Sunday, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you still haven't signed up to be baptized yet, and you're debating it, this is your sign that you should do it, amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you should totally get baptized next Sunday. (laughs) Some of you are like, I ain't telling them because they're going to tell me. (laughs) If you haven't been baptized yet, you should do it. And I love the four men that brought the paralyzed man to the meeting. Come on, when you read it, you loved it, man. You're like, that's my people. I don't know where they are, but that's my people. And then I think there's a step further that we got to go because, of course, you want those people, those friends. But I think the step further is, can I be that friend? Some of you wouldn't get on a ladder if we paid you. Afraid of heights. But if it meant healing for your friend, I'd climb the ladder. Come on, one of our values is whatever it takes. I'll climb the ladder for you. Amen? Some of y'all are like, I'll find somebody to climb the ladder. We all have our gifts, Pastor Wade. I know. And we all have our fears. Oh, amen and amen. All right, let's go. All right. So these four men, they carry their paralyzed friend to Jesus. And what I see in this story is they led him there. They led the paralyzed man to Jesus because he couldn't get there by himself. But these four guys helped him to, to get to Jesus. And because he got to Jesus... God's plans for his life began to unfold. This was the moment because of four friends that led him to Jesus. There was a moment that happened where his sins were forgiven and his body was healed. And that, my friends, is a picture of God's plan for us to save our soul. Amen. And to bring healing into our lives. And there's a lot of people who get saved, but they still need to be healed. Amen. Need to be healed healed. We preached on that a few weeks ago. And we see that as God's plans unfold for his life, he gets up and he comes out of the place different than the way that he came in. Because on the way in, he couldn't walk and somebody had to bring him. But on his way out, watch this. 
I need you to see this. Someone had to carry him in, but he left carrying his stuff on the way out. There were four people carrying this paralyzed man. And I believe they represent who we are called to be as a church. They carried him. And it reminded me of a verse in Habakkuk chapter 2. This is one of those book of the Bibles that we don't read. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a couple of them we don't read. We don't read Habakkuk. It's just too hard to say. You know what I'm saying? No one likes to read the book of Jude. I don't know why. It's the shortest book in the Bible. And you can read it in about 15 minutes and feel like a boss because you finally finished reading a book of the Bible. And it's really good. When I was in Bible college, one of the, the final, uh, final assignments we had that you had to complete before graduation was you had to interpret an entire book of the Bible. And we had some of those go-for-it people in our class. And so they were like, I'm going to interpret the book of Isaiah. <laughs> like 50-something chapters in there. One guy was like, I'm doing the book of Psalms. I'm like, bro... Got two weeks to knock this out. You must not have a life. And I remember sitting around this lunch table one day and we were joking around. And they said, and I was already in the ministry. They're like, hey, which book are you going to do? I said, I don't know about y'all, but I'm going with the book of Jude. And he's like, why are you going with Jude? I said, because I can get that done in two weeks. Amen. Man, it was so good. But Habakkuk's one of those books that no one goes to. Like, when it shows up in your Bible reading plan, even though you're, like, committed to reading the Bible in the year, you're like, ah, yeah, we'll just go to Book of Joel or something like that. More common named books. But the, the book of Habakkuk, I, gotta, I just, it sounds like Chewbacca from Star Wars. And that just, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't feel like a legit book sometimes. But, oh, it's legit. And there's one verse of scripture in there where the Lord is speaking to him, and he says this, write my answer, my vision, plainly on tablets so that a runner can what? Carry it. So a runner can carry the correct message to others. So the runner can carry it. Write the vision so that someone can carry it. And when I look at these four men, They were carriers. They were carrying much more than just a man. They were carrying some faith. They were carrying some hope. And because they had that kind of faith and that kind of hope, they carried a man to Jesus, believing and knowing that if they just got him to Jesus, that Jesus can do something in his life. And I begin to think as a church, I believe that we're called to be carriers. Amen. We carry the presence of God. We carry hope. We carry a God-given vision to people who are in need because I believe that if people can see God, if they can see Jesus, it is going to change their life. And you know how I know that? Because people like you and I have seen him. And because we have seen the goodness of God, we have tasted and we have seen that God is good and his goodness has changed our lives. But somebody played a big part in helping you see Jesus. Someone played a big part. In fact, they carried some responsibility to help you to get to Jesus. And I just feel like it's our turn to carry some responsibility to help some people see and experience Jesus so that God's plan for their lives can begin to unfold. Amen? It was four of these guys, so I'm going to share four points today. That's how the preachers do it. 
Usually there's three points, but because there were four guys, I didn't want to leave one of them out. I wanted him to get invited to the birthday party too and get a participation trophy. That's my church is what we're talking about today. And the vision that we carry, number one, is we are a church that is full of faith. Full of faith. And some of us say, well, hold on, Pastor Wade, because I'm still growing in my faith. And this is the thing about vision. Vision doesn't talk about where you are. It's talk about where we're going. And you may not be full of faith yet, but you're going to be. If you hang around here, you're going to be. And that's why it's so important that you hang around here because there's people in need of faith in their life. Believe in God. And we are a church that is full of faith. Come on, say, that's my church. church. And we should be full of faith. When you think about it, it all starts with faith. Everything that God does and everything he will do, it happens. Why? Because of faith. Because we believe. And what's so hard is we live in a world that we're taught that you have to figure it out. And there's this conflict between figuring it out and believing it. Because many of us are trained to figure it out before we believe it. And God wants you to believe him. And that's so contradictory to our operating system because... For so long, we have operated with, once I figure it out, or let me say it like this, I have to see it to believe it. I have to see it to believe it. And that's why Jesus said we have to have childlike faith. Here's why. If you told a kid right now, we're going to Disney, they lose their mind. You didn't give them a time frame. You just said where they were going. They think we're going now. And they may have a little grace on you, and it may not be now, you know, because we got to pack and get everything ready. But they definitely think it's tomorrow. And if it's not tomorrow, then in their mind, they just think it's this weekend. They have nothing to go by other than what you said. Come on, how many of y'all are you feeling it right now? Because you've walked this before. You did that. You told your kids. Or maybe you were the kid that, were told, that was told, we're going to Disney, and you're still waiting on that trip. Can I tell you why y'all didn't go? <laughs> Because it costs too much. (laughs) We're called to live in faith. And the issue that we have with faith is we don't know all that God said. And so we often hear people repeat it, what God said, instead of hearing it for ourselves. So we hear other people talking about the Bible and Scripture instead of going in the Bible reading the scripture and hearing it for ourselves. Faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The word of God. And for us to be a church that's full of faith, it's got to be built on the word of God, the Bible. And we can't pick and choose what parts of the Bible that we want to follow and which parts that we don't. And can I just say, there are so many different interpretations of how the Bible really works and what it's really saying and it's almost like we create our own customized version we freak out over the latest greatest translation of the bible because i'm true to king james but all of us have created our own personal version 
of what the scripture says that fits our context, that fits our liking, that fits us. And here's the thing with the Bible. You don't make the Bible fit you. You fit the Bible. You don't just read the Bible. The Bible begins to read you. And as the Bible reads you, as you're reading it, that's where change begins to take place. And I promise you that's better preaching than your reaction right there. I'm serious, man. Because once you know what I'm talking about, the whole thing about Bible reading is different. Because I'm not just reading it for an answer. I'm reading it because the answer is right there and his name is Jesus. And I just need the answer to download some wisdom to me so I don't keep missing this thing and messing it up and doing the wrong thing. Amen? But imagine that this would be a place, that this would be a church, that when people encounter us, they walk away saying, I don't know a whole lot about them, but I know they believe God. You know what I'm saying? Like, like whenever someone walks through the doors for the first time, they walk out of here, and one of the things that they can just pick up on when they walk in the room is not necessarily how great all the things are around, but they can walk out of here saying, these people believe God. There's something about them they believe God. God. Amen. And we're living in a world that is losing faith. And it's like, like a lot of times we panic because we see what's happening in the world. Like God can't do something about it. He can do something about it. It's just going to take some people to believe that God can do something. And I would just say, hey, let's be that church that believes God can do something. Let's not just be the person or the church that when somebody comes and begins to talk about what they're going through, we're just trying to help them find the next answer and we just hope you figure it out. But let's be the church that says, let's pray and let's believe that God can do a miracle. Let's believe that God can turn it around. I want us to be able to say when it comes to faith, that's my church. My church believes God can do anything. My church believes that nothing is impossible for God. My church believes for, for prayer, that believes for miracles, believes for salvations. My church believes that God can turn it around. My church believes that God can do it. That's my church. That's the church that we want to be. A church that is full of faith. Amen. If we're going to pack the house, we might as well pack it with some faith. Amen. Come on. I pray it, man. I pray that when they talk about us, they say, look, those people, they just believe God. That's what I want to hear them say. And I want to preach like it. I want to sing like it. I want to do all that we do like it so that it is known. Because I know this, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I just know if we're a church that believes and has faith, we will be a church that pleases God. And there may be some people that aren't pleased with us, but that's all right. Because God is pleased with us. Let's be that church. Look at your neighbor and say, that's my church. God, you got to do better than that. Ah, that's my church. Number two, we are a church that leads people to Jesus. We are a church that leads people to Jesus. This is our vision. This is our calling and commission as a church. If you're here at Emerge Church and you call this place your home church, if you say, this is my church family, if you say, this is my community that I do like, however you say it, 
We are a church that leads people to Jesus. It's in the vision. It's the first few lines. We lead people to follow Jesus. That's what we do. But Jesus said, in order to lead, we must become servants. And that means we must be a church of servants. And I want to say this over us today, for everyone that serves in any capacity here, serving isn't what we do, it's who we are. We don't get tired of serving because if we do, we cease to be who we are. We are servants of the Most High God who is worthy of service. Come on, he's too good not to serve y'all. So we serve. We're called to be servants. And when I look at these four men, they were serving this man. This paralyzed man, they were serving him. He couldn't get there. They said, we will come and pick you up. And I just think that just aligns with the name of our church. Because they helped the man get up. They couldn't do the miracle, but they could bring him to where the miracle was going to happen. Amen. And sometimes we put all the pressure on us, on ourselves to make the miracle happen. You don't make miracles happen. You just set them up. Um, uh, it's all a setup. It's all a setup. And if I see it that way, I will just serve that way. I'm just setting him up. But if I don't see it that way and think I'm the miracle worker, I will always burn myself out. I just got to set him up. And so they said, hey, he needs a ride to church. Pick him up. And so they go and they bring him. And it's amazing because the potential of what God can do is about to unfold because someone served. And the potential of the church is found through service, through serving. And the more people that serve, the greater the potential of what God can do. Amen? The more who serve, the greater the potential of what God can do. So they were serving this man. And watch this. In their service, they were leading this man. They took their serving to another level. And they did whatever it takes. I need you to grab this. This just sounds like our church. They took their serving to another level to make sure that their friend got to Jesus. So many people are caught up in this story and they are angry because they destroyed the roof. Who's going to pay for that? Who's going to fix it? You sound like a Pharisee because you're missing that the miracle took place. That happened in my house. And somebody had a miracle like that, I'll take care of the roof. Amen? And y'all come back next week. And we're going to open all the doors. Windows too. <laughs> Seriously. I would call them this. These four guys, they were next level servants who became leaders. That's what they were. They weren't trying to get a leadership position. They were just serving with purpose. Mm -hmm. 
I've always been leery of people that touted their leadership ability. I have. You can tell me how great of a leader they are, and you start asking them about who's following. And many times they, instead of talking about who's following them, they start talking about their philosophy as a leader. And when you look behind them, there's no one following. And that's not a leader. That's just somebody taking a walk. Leaders have fruit, man. Leaders have proof because there's an influence that people are following. And the, the influence that they follow is developed in servanthood, not in supervision. Because a lot of people want to be in supervision to tell people what to do. And that's not how leadership works. You'll get fired doing that at work. You say, I'm the supervisor. You will fire yourself. Trust me. These guys weren't looking for a title. They were looking for a man's life to be changed. And here's another thing. They weren't experts. They were just a good example of believing and serving. And they took it to the next level. And one of the things the Lord spoke to me at the beginning of this year is to be very intent on raising up leaders, to raise up leaders in God's house. Not just to add people to the church, but to multiply the church. And there are people that are sitting in this room that you're a leader. God's called you to be a leader, but you're not leading And today, I believe the Holy Spirit is knocking on the door of your heart. And he's saying, it's time for you to step into the game. It's time to begin serving at the next level. The biggest reason why people don't step into leadership, can I tell you what it is? I'll break it down plain and simple. It's This will help you at work. Anybody in supervision here? I'm about to give you some of the best advice, some of the best answers you've ever heard. The biggest reason why people don't want to step into leadership is because they don't want a headache. Come on, somebody in leadership say amen and help the preacher out. Amen. Anybody in here lead some people? And you're like, why did I get into this? Because it's a lot to lead people. It's a lot. But we're called to lead people. We're called to lead people. And this is how we feel. Imagine how Jesus feels. Now we know why Jesus said, oh, Lord, how long must I put up with them? And I just felt like that was giving us room to say that. If you're in supervision at work, you could close the door and say, Lord, how long must I put up with them? And somebody would say, why are you saying that? And you say, I'm just saying what Jesus said. <laughs> Quoting scripture. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that, that we're going to do here, usually we're kicking off our e-groups this month. But I feel like we need to suspend our e-group semester and focus on raising up leaders. Good, healthy, solid, strong leaders. And I know everybody like, let's do e-groups. We want to do e-groups, but we got to get leaders to the place that they can go further. Yeah. Amen? And they can be stronger. And so we're going to take some time to pour into the lives of our leaders, to raise them up so that we can go somewhere.
Because we're going somewhere, church. We're not just here doing church, y'all. Amen? It's got to be healthy. Look at your neighbor and say, it's got to be healthy. It's got to be healthy. But I want to say this. We need leaders to rise up. We do. We need leaders to rise up in the church. And I don't know, and this is going to be strong, and maybe you'll get mad at me. It's okay. Even in my own family, we get mad at each other, and we get over it, okay? But at some point, you can't ride the excuse. And I don't know what kind of church you want if you just want one of them really nice positivity churches. But I'm positive (laughs) that you cannot continue to make excuses because it's not Pastor Wade that's going to continue to knock on your door. It's the Holy Spirit that will keep you awake at night. And there's many people that are struggling in things in their lives at this level And the only way to overcome the struggle on this level is to go up to the next level. And I'll let the Holy Spirit do all that. I'm talking about being a church that raises up leaders who will lead people to Jesus, to be like Jesus, that have some boldness, that have some conviction. Amen? Amen? That have some authority. who are committed to God's house and not just full of opinions because they read some books. Seriously, man. And, and, and it's so important because it's easy to go read all the stuff, but it's hard to commit. And commitment's where it's at, y'all. Amen? Amen? I know, it's like, Pastor Wade, you were doing so good on the first point, and this second one, you really dropped the ball. No, man, I'm putting the ball in play is what I'm doing. See, too many, too many of us wind up being like the little kids at the high school football game, past the end zone, playing football with the little cup. You know what I'm saying? They take a cup and crush it, and they're playing over there, and they're dominating in that league. But at some point, you grow up, and you got to get on the field. And it's time for some people to get on the field and quit talking about how you dominated the cup league and get on the field and play with the big boys. I'm, I'm just trying to put it in your terms. It's Super Bowl Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Okay. All right, let's carry on because you're like, Pastor Wade, stop. You're going to kill the church. No, we're going to lead the church. Amen. We are a church that raises up leaders because we're a church that leads people to Jesus. Here's number three. And now again, all of this is in the story, y'all. This is in the story. I'm not, I'm not saying anything that isn't there. I'm just unfolding it for you. Okay. Here's the next thing. Number three, we're a church that helps people find healing healing. For the last few months through my prayers, and we had that service where we talked about spiritual healing, I am more convinced than ever that what we're dealing with in our world is a need for healing in people's lives. In fact, a lot of the marriage issues that are occurring and a lot of the family and parenting issues that are occurring are coming out of wounds in our life. And we're trying not to have that kind of marriage. We're trying not to be that kind of parent. Amen? I'm trying so hard not to be that kind of person. And our point of reference is the exact person, the exact thing that hurt us. And that's why it's so important that we bring healing to those places because it's time for us to look forward with vision than looking back with pain. 
Because there's more to you as a person, as a parent, as a husband, as a wife. Amen? There's more to you than what's hurt you. And why let what hurts you limit you of what you and how effective you can be in the roles that God has put you? Amen? And so this is why healing is so important because if we can help people heal and get past some of those hurts from their childhood, they can step into some things now because they believe they can do it because they're no longer held back by the pain that they have walked through. Amen? And we need to be the kind of church that helps people find healing. Amen? Healing. And I'm talking about emotional healing. I'm talking about mental healing. I'm talking about physical healing in their bodies where our reaction to somebody who's going through something with their body isn't just another website, isn't just try this vitamin, isn't just go talk to this person. It's literally saying, let's pray. Let's pray pray. Amen. Let's pray. When's the last time you grabbed hands with someone and said, let's pray for you that God is going to bring healing to your body, that God can touch your family. Let's pray that God's going to bring healing to your marriage. Let's pray that God's going to heal the relationship between you and your son or you and your father. Amen. Let's be that church that says we want to bring healing to people. And if we can't bring healing to the people, we can bring the people to the healer. Amen? That's my church. We want to see people healed. But we got to lead them there. If you were at our prayer nights during the fast, the last prayer night when we were praying, start praying that this would be a house of miracles, that this would be a house of healing. And I know when we hear that word miracle, it can, it can be used to hype people. I'm not trying to hype right. anyone. I'm trying to help people find some hope. And I still believe that God can do miracles. I still believe that God can, can restore marriages, even with the crazy stuff that happens. I still believe that God can restore relationships, no matter how wild it may have been. I still believe that God can heal the body. I still believe it. And we want to be a church that has faith. Amen. But we also want to be that church that says, not only do we have faith, we're going to pray for you to be healed. We're going to bring you to the healer. Amen? That's my church. That's my church. So many people in need of healing. And I know you're saying, but what if I pray for them and nothing happens? Do you know how many people I prayed for and I thought nothing was happening? I've prayed for something. I pray for you sometimes in person. And I watched you over a course of a couple of weeks, like, well, nothing happened there. They come and say, hey, pray for me to change the way I talk. Okay, let's pray. And nothing changes. <laughs> we can pray, but what's your practice? Come on, man, let's do this. I mean, I said a lot already. I mean, what, what you, I gave you a T-shirt last week. <laughs> King cake. You're like, man, the sweet is gone. But it's serious because people are in need of healing. It is. People are in need of healing. 
And I just say, let's act like Jesus can heal. And let's believe like he can heal. Because that's who he is. He's a healer. And we're that church. Here's number four. This is the last one. We're a church that makes room for more. Man, when I look at this story, there's a part of it that fires me up because I like packed houses, man. I love having all you here at church. and It fires me up. I, I want to preach better. I do. I love the story of ripping open the roof. Come on, man. You imagine somebody dropped somebody in this room right now. I got a little nervous because I know there's some leaks in the roof. And I was like, as soon as I say that, one of those tiles are going to fall through. We're like, perfect cue, man. Didn't happen, though. So I have to talk with the team and see how we can make that happen next time. But I love those stories. Ripping the roof open. Drop them in front of Jesus. Jesus just having this little showdown with the religious leaders. He thought they knew everything. And Jesus like, I'm going to forgive his sins. And you're going to debate me. So I'll just heal him. And the guy walks out of there. And as much as I love the story, there's one part of it that just I can't understand. Why couldn't they just make room for this guy to get in through the door? You know what I'm saying? Like the homeowner's probably asking the people that. Why don't y'all just let him in the door? Tear my house up for the Lord. I, I know I love Jesus and his miracles. But we can use some wisdom here. Why didn't the people in the house see the man in need and just make room for him? That's the question. And watch this. They were more worried about their seat than they were his salvation. Come on. They should have just made room. It's time for us to make some room for some more people. So starting Easter Sunday, we'll begin two services. Starting on Easter Sunday. And here's the verse of scripture I want to share with you. We'll have more information coming out about it. Proverbs 18, verse 16, it says this. Giving a gift can open doors. And it gives access to important people. And I know how you read that. My gift will open a door for me to get in front of important people. Well, that's just one way to read it. But if we, the body of Christ, will give the gift of service, and we will be givers, it will open the door so that more people can have access to Jesus, the most important person. We can't be that church that is more worried about reserving our seat than it is helping someone get saved. We must be that church that cares for the souls of people. Amen? Another version says, giving a gift will make room. When you serve on the dream team, you have to know this. It opens doors for people to get to Jesus. That's what's happening. 
If all it is for you is an accept or a decline on planning center, you're missing it. It is so much more than that. It's the realization that my part in this is to help open the door and hold the door open so that that kid who's, who's seven years old that could get a little crazy sometimes, I need him to experience Jesus too. And if you got a seven-year-old, you better say amen in this place. Amen. You say, well, mine's not. We're doing it for him too. You know what I'm saying? But when you're serving in those capacities, you're literally opening the door so that they can encounter Jesus, y'all. When you give your tithes and your offering, what are you doing? You're opening the door. You're opening more doors so that people can encounter Jesus. That's what we do. This is who we are as a church. We are always trying to make more and more room. And I think about this. When Jesus talked about how there's a table. And there are seats all around the table. And when he goes to have the feast, there's empty seats. And some of you are like, that's how I like it. I like having a little room around me. I like some some arm room, some leg room. And Jesus said, I want you to go out and I want you to invite some more so that my house will be full. So that my house will be full. And I just think of this. The room's been filling up week after week after week. But we must always leave a seat for someone to be able to come in and sit at the table. We are that church that makes room for more. We are that church that believes God for healing. We are that church that is going to live by faith. We are that church that is going to be a leader. We are that church that is going to serve. We are that church. We are that church. Sometimes when people talk about churches, they say, well, that church, well, that church, well, I want them to be able to say about this church, that that is a church that will pray with you for healing. That is the church that is going to lead you to Jesus. That is the church that wants to see healing in your soul. That is the church that isn't worried about popularity. That is the church that is praying and believing for a move of God in this generation. That's my church. That's my church where my kids are finding Jesus. That's my church. That's my church where my marriage was restored. That's my church where they prayed and I was healed. That's my church. That is my church. That's my church. That's my church. That's my church. last few days I've had some conversations with some people with some really significant life things happening to them and in those conversations so many times feeling completely inadequate feeling like I don't know what to say. Last night, I was sitting in my living room. Got a dance competition on the iPad. (laughs) 
come on and watch my daughter dance. She did really good. And another part of me thinking about all these conversations. And all I can say was, God, you got to do something. You got to do something. Because we've got to have more than just the next three steps to a happy, healthy, friendly family life glossing over the real stuff people are dealing with. Getting past tagline Christianity and refrigerator magnet verses and Hobby Lobby plaques and getting down to the Word of God so that when a person's walking through a situation, I got more than a cliche but I can bring them some hope because I've been with Jesus and I've seen it and experienced it for myself. And if you've seen it and you experienced it for yourself and you're not sharing it and you're not giving it and you're refusing to step into roles because it's just too much. Today, I firmly believe the Lord is speaking to men and women throughout this room who have been running from the responsibilities. And please hear my heart today because I'm not angry. I'm so passionate about God's house. Who's been running from the responsibility of leading God's houses. Who have used family as their excuse. And I will say this, how dare you devalue your family and use them as an excuse to not serve in a place that God would want you to serve in. How dare we step into these roles and create these perfect little conditional boxes, and I'll use the word boundaries, to be able to say no to something that we know that God is asking us to do. And it's time for the church, the men and women of the church, to realize it's our turn. It's our turn to carry the baton and to run this race. The previous generation has ran it, and they've gotten us to this point. But there's a transition that's happening now, and they're passing the baton to this generation. And if you're a college student in here, I want you to hear me today because I believe God is raising up a generation. Listen to me, college students. God is raising up a generation that will be leaders in the house of God that are so sick of all of these little boxes that we have created to try to make it perfect. We want more than perfection. We we know perfection doesn't exist. We want the presence of God. We want the presence of God. This me first version of Christianity, it's got to go out the door. It's got to be God first. Seek first the kingdom. And can I tell you what is happening in this house? And I firmly believe this. What is happening in this house is not just a bunch of people coming to church. But I believe more than ever, this is a move of God that is beginning in this church. And I will be honest, my prayer is, God, I don't want to mess it up. That is what I've been praying. God, I don't want to mess this 
up. He's brought you here for so much more than just to hear a message. He's brought you here for a mission, a commission. He's brought you here to lead people to Jesus so they can live out God's plans for their lives. And watch this. You're in the place you're in so you can live out God's plans for your lives. I want you to stand at your feet this morning. You say, Pastor Wade, how are you going to wrap this up? (laughs) On Friday, February the 24th at 6.30 p.m., This is where the ministry for today happens. Friday, February 24th, 6.30 p.m. It's Dream Team Night. And at this Dream Team Night, if you're not on the Dream Team, this is the night where you come and we're going to recruit you for our team. Oh, yeah. We're going to team prep for two services because y'all listen to me. They're coming. Listen, more to come. There's more to come. In fact, in two years, some of you will say, I never thought I'd be doing this. And I'll say, I did. I've had a couple of meetings with Benjamin and Catherine, and one line that I've said in both of them is this. We all know where this is going. We all know where this is going. Some of you, you went to a summer camp when you were a teenager because, boy, back in the 2000s, youth group was rocking. You went to a youth camp and the Lord called you. And you've done nothing with it. And He won't relent until you say yes. I wish I could just undo it for you. I can't. And you can spend the rest of your life running from it or you can use that energy and run with it and watch the Lord give you more and more energy. There's small group leaders in this house. There's pastors in this house. There's missionaries in this house. He's like, oh, I pray they come. They're here already. And it may be your kid. maybe you I'll say it again the things you're struggling with at this level and this ain't the first time you've heard this today we said this a few weeks ago struggling on this level because you need to go up next level servants next level leaders he's calling us up y'all father we hear you we hear you God we understand that this is bigger than us but it always has been and what you have for us is bigger than us and we struggle with that because we want to control it we want to contain it we want to pace it but God today we choose a different mode of operation today we choose to trust you with it 
to follow you with it so that we can lead others to it. Father, today, I pray your spirit that ignites and awakens things in our hearts that draws us. I pray today your Holy Spirit will do that in each and every heart in here. And even as I'm praying this, there are people in this room, you can sense it. The presence of God is on you right now. Father, I pray that our answer to you will be yes. And everything we said today, that we would be a church that believes, I pray that will be our story. We'll be a church that leads. I pray that will be our story. A church that brings healing. I pray, God, that will be our story. A church that makes room for more. I pray that will be our story. Help us to live that, to become that. In Jesus' name, while your head's bowed, your eyes closed, if you're here today and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe you grew up in a church, but you're away from God. You don't know him. You're trying to figure him out. This moment right here was for you. And you know, today is the day to surrender your life to Jesus completely. I'm going to lead you in this prayer, and I want everyone in the church to say it out loud. Dear Lord, thank you for loving me beyond what I ever imagined. Thank you for taking my sins and going to the cross and paying the price. I ask you to forgive me, to wash my sins away. And give me a new start. I surrender my life to you. And I choose now to follow you, to follow your ways. I trust you as my leader and I trust you as my Lord. Thank you that today is a new day. It's turning around today. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. And amen.